I think it's legitimate. My people over there are assuring us there won't be a problem. There won't be a problem. But if I was him, I'd be concerned too. I don't blame him at all. I'm totally okay with it. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball. We're going to be looking back at Monday's eight games. We're going to be previewing Tuesday's eight games, touching on some injury news across the NBA as well. Michael Bolton. Let's get to it. To it. All right, let's get to it. We will start, as we always do, a little bit of a surprise, I think, with the... Uh... Monstrous line of the night. Today, it goes to a Houston Rockets player, and it's P.J. Tucker. 21 points for Page, um, seven triples, didn't have a single rebound, which is weird, but one assist, four steals and two blocks on 64% shooting. That's obviously a fantastic performance from Tucker. Can we rely upon it? Absolutely 100% not. Last game, he legitimately did not score a single point and took one field goal attempt. That is why we can't rely upon him. But what he is, is he is a guy that generates steals. He's the 130th ranked player for the season. He's getting 1.3 steals per game with almost two triples. So it's a 3 and D type of a guy. He's giving you nothing in other areas. One assist, eight points, um, 0.4 blocks, terrible percentages. But the threes and the steals lift him into 12-team consideration. He is nowhere near a must-roster player. He is a specialist streaming type of a guy. This is a great game. If you had him, good luck to you. It's fantastic. But it's obviously not a repeatable performance and nothing that you need to pay you know, super amounts of attention to. He's available in 68% of fantasy leagues. That seems about the right amount. Probably a must-roster 16-team league guy, a fringe 14-teamer, and a weird streamer in 12-team leagues. It should go without saying, as he's the monstrous line of the night. He's also... Waiver wire line of the night. That's not a surprise there at all. The deep leaguer of the night goes to Thon McCare of the Milwaukee Bucks. Thon, who was out of the rotation last game with DJ Wilson taking his spot... Um, thought he was playing the Raptors in the playoffs in this one. Put up a huge game. DJ Wilson was out. 18 minutes for Thon. 15 points here. Two triples, five rebounds, one assist, and two steals. Didn't block a shot. Went 75% from the field on his eight attempts and hit his only free throw. He's had that opportunity ever since the Muppet got injured and then traded to be the backup center, but he's done absolutely nothing with that role. The 327th ranked player this season is Thon. Averaging 5-3 and three with a 3 a game and 0.6 blocks. Not shooting well, missing his free throws, um, not active. He's just not doing enough. And, and I have really, really limited faith in Thon long-term to be an NBA-caliber rotation guy. He's in that role at the moment. But if it hadn't been for DJ Wilson not playing today, I'm not sure McCare would have even been in the rotation with Ilya Sova, Wilson, um, Giannis, and Brook getting all those power forward and center minutes. So it has been definitely disappointing from McCare this season. I haven't really seen enough for me to get interested in him long-term for Dynasty Leagues. This is a great performance. He occasionally pops off and has these big games, but they're so few and far between that realistically he's a 30-team fantasy guy and uh, that's it. Not even a 20-team league guy. And even for Dynasty Leagues, I have my doubts about him ever. Be- I don't think he's ever going to become a starting caliber center. I don't think that he's ever going to be even a significant rotation guy. As much as he is a rotation guy in Milwaukee at the moment, 
he just doesn't contribute enough. So while he does win the deep leaguer of the night, it seems like I'm just shitting on him with everything that I say here. So not a greatest before, not the not the greatest season from Thon, although this was obviously a really really good performance. Young gun of the night. The young gun of the night goes to Josh the Hitman Hart of the Los Angeles Lakers. Joshy Hart played 44 minutes in the Lakers' big win. He barely came out at all in the second half. 14 and 12 with a three, six assists and five steals. Only shot 39% from the field and hit all three of his free throws. He's been great over the last two weeks. The 67th ranked player with LeBron James out. He's playing 35 minutes a night, averaging 12 and a half, seven and three with two steals. That's great. The problem is, is that when LeBron comes back, what are his minutes going to be like? And we saw him, we saw the playing time start to dip. We saw him getting near 20 minutes, 25 minutes in those games before LeBron went out. He was playing 35 plus when Ingram was out. Ingram came back and then LeBron went out. So we've had a fairly consistent, sustained run of decent minutes here for Hart since about the start of December. It hasn't translated into great numbers. In fact, over the last 16 games, he is averaging 32 minutes a night, but is still ranked just 120th. And you would have to assume, and I do assume this, that his minutes are going to drop pretty significantly once LeBron is back in action. So for now, while LeBron is sidelined, Hart is starting. He's playing 30-plus minutes. The usage is up. He's a very, very good rebounding guard. We know that. There is value in him, but long-term, it's not going to be there. So if you can sell him high for any sort of top 100 value, if anyone buys into it, and there are Josh Hart believers, and I understand that because I think Josh Hart's really good, and I think he can be a consistent fantasy producer at some point, but you've got to overall realistically look at the scenario and how is he getting the 32 minutes a night he needs to, or maybe even 34 minutes a night, he needs to be a top 100 guy, and that seems pretty much impossible. Other people will look at it and go, oh, he's young, he's good, they've got to give him minutes. And yeah, but no, they just, I just can't see how they're going to do that, how he's going to get enough touches, how he's going to get enough playing time when people are healthy. So therefore, I look at Hart as a sell-high guy, someone who, like, if the opportunity arises and he finds himself in a much better scenario, then yeah, he's going to be a great, a great fantasy guy, a strong rebounding guard who gets steals, who can score, who can hit threes, who can handle the ball a little bit. And I think his assist rate will increase throughout his career as well. But for now, it's just a little bit too crowded there with the Lakers for, for him to get a large enough role, both in terms of playing time and uh, utilization in the offense. Let's go on to the next award. The dud of the night goes to Triple J, Jaron Jackson Jr. of the Memphis Grizzlies. Only 22 minutes because you guessed it, he got into foul trouble. He had 12 points. That's a promising start. One rebound and nothing else. No assists, no steals, no blocks for Triple J. He didn't hit a three. He didn't get to the free throw line. He was 6 of 11 from the field, so that was encouraging. But overall, not a great performance from Jackson, who we know can be great. We know is also streaky, but he's still the 67th ranked player this season, despite playing under 26 minutes a night, averaging 13.5 points with 0.83s and 1.6 blocks. He is going to be, I believe, a top 25 player in the next couple of seasons pretty comfortably, who could average 20 and 8 with 2.5 blocks and 2.5 threes. He's got some passing ability as well. He can hit free throws. I think he's going to be an absolute fantasy stud. And if anyone wants to panic about the foul trouble in a dynasty league, I would happily take him off their hands. I don't think they would, but you never know. People can make some rash decisions at times. So Jackson is your dud of the night. It's the perfect opportunity to try and buy low. But even in a buy low, he still scored double-digit points. That's four consecutive games that he scored in double digits. But the one thing I guess is a bit curious, only two blocks in his last six games, and they both came in the one game against the Nets. So he's gone uh, blockless in five of his last six contests, which is a little bit concerning. But when those blocks, blocks come, 
then the value rises pretty uh, pretty significantly. Um, so it is uh, it is not a great performance from uh, from Jaron Jackson, but things will get better. The goats of the night, the best net rating went to McCare, Thonmacare, 85.4, while the worst net rating went to Jared Dudley, a negative 114.4. I think last time I did this, Jared Dudley had the best net rating. He has had multiple swings in this category. He's either really good or he's really bad is the way it, uh, it has appeared so far this season. Let's talk some injury news. It appears that Will Barton's timeline has been pushed back. Uh, Michael Malone thinks that he should be able to come back in the on the court in a couple of or sorry a few weeks' time, which is not great. Um, I don't know how they're going to integrate him back in. Um, I thought he was always going to be due a disappointing season this season anyway, not including the injury. Just with those other players on the Nuggets, him returning is going to be very interesting. I think it's going to be a really slow return. I'm not having massive faith in Barton when he comes back. Dante Exum is out for the next two weeks with an ankle injury. Also not listed here, Tabo Cephalosha will be out for the next two weeks with a hamstring injury. And then Ravishing Rick Rubio. He also hurt his hamstring today and will have an MRI on Tuesday. The Jazz don't appear to think that Rubio's injury is that serious, so that's good news. But if he is out and if Exum is out, then you're going to have Hull Neto step into that point guard role. Now, last season when Rubio went down, Royce O'Neal stepped in as the starter. They pushed Donovan Mitchell to point guard. So that... Uh, so that'll be an interesting thing to see how that happens. Neto put up some okay numbers. He'd obviously just be a short-term streamer if you need assists. Uh, with Tarbo out, it gives some more uh, value to someone like uh, O'Neal there as well, while Grayson Allen could be recalled from the G League and forced into some action. But these uh, him and uh, O'Neal, uh, Allen O'Neal, are really just your deeper league guys. Well, Neto could touch the sides of a 12-team league in that uh, short term. News from Kevin Love's recovery, not great. Talked about this on the Fantasy Check-In earlier today. Um, it looks like around the All-Star break is more realistic. His initial timetable had him returning some point in the next week or so. That's been pushed back pretty considerably. I do believe that Love will return this season and will play, but you know, in terms of whether you can hold him or not, that's really individual. How's your team looking? Do you have IR? Are you weekly changes? Um, do you have any other injured players? But we're looking at a few more weeks here on the sideline for Kevin Love. But the good thing is he's taking shots now. He's back on the court in some respect. It's just getting himself back after that foot surgery. Uh, Gaz Harris. Multiple uh, drops pushed at once. Didn't know, you, but you didn't know I could do that. Let's try again. Gary Harris sat out the entire fourth quarter of today's Denver loss against Houston with an ice pack on his hamstring. That is obviously a really troubling sign after he had been out with that hip injury. The Nuggets do play again on Tuesday. He's claiming that he's fine. Malone seems a lot more concerned. And out of those two players, we know which one of those has got the medical degree. So uh, maybe we put more credence in what Mick says. I don't think that Gary is going to play on Tuesday. Hamstrings you always have to be cautious with. If he is out, then you get Malik Beasley, Monty Morris, uh, Torrey Craig, Juancho Hernan Gomez all stepping into some value there, but none of them being must-roster guys. Um, Beasley had a stretch, Morris had a stretch, Hernan Gomez had a stretch, but that's all it's been, sort of alternating-type stretches. So we'll see how that scenario goes. While Mo Harkless and his troublesome knee, he had to leave today's game before halftime and did not return with soreness in that knee. That's the knee that he injured in March, then had a quick surgery and rushed back for the playoffs in what was one of the stupidest moves that you could have. And how could he be ready to go in six weeks, but then a year later, is still not ready to go? That is how crazy that return from that knee surgery was last season. Um, after the game, he didn't want to speak to reporters about it. It is the same knee. It's still bothering him. Um, 
it, it's obviously a concern here for Harkless. Jade Gleeman started the second half and played okay. Evan Turner would get a boost there. Harkless was just rounding into 12-team league form, but that knee continues to bother him. And you know, you, for a fringe back-end guy, you can't deal with miss, miss games. Then he just becomes more of that streaming type option. That's really about it for Mo Harkless. All right, let's move into these games now. Uh, talk about them in more detail. There were eight games on Monday for us to kick off the week. Um, let's look at the first one of these games, the San Antonio Spurs and the Denver, uh, Denver, the Detroit Pistons. The Spurs win 119-107. DeRozan was great, 26-7-9 with two steals and two blocks, while Aldridge, again, elite from the field, 75%. He had 25-6. and six. And my man Derek White just keeps it keeps it rolling. Seventeen and five with two assists, no defensive numbers, but another fifty-seven percent from the field, a perfect nine of nine from the line. The, the field goal percentage is going to drop because he's hitting about eighty percent of his shots over the last couple of weeks. It's going to drop, but he can score, he can pass, he can play defense. He's a must roster guy in my opinion. Uh, Brittany Forbes had fifteen and three, and this is an illustration of why Forbes is a tough guy to be a must roster player. No assist, only one steal, poor percentages. His value comes from the threes, and if he adds anything else, it's a real bonus. I don't view him as a must-roster guy. While Jakob Pertl started in Rudy Gay's stead, and Gay's likely to be out for the next couple of days, so uh, next couple of games. So if you're looking for some big man numbers in a deeper format, Pertl could be that guy. He had seven and six with a block, brutalized your free throws, going just one of six from there. But otherwise, yeah, some okay big man numbers he can provide. Um, it looks like Pau Gasol is going to be out of the rotation unless injuries hit in San Antonio. For the Pistons, um, Blake Griffin was great here. 34 points with 8 assists. Continues his excellent season. While Drummond, 19, 14, and 3 steals. And Reggie Jackson had 14 in his 23 minutes. He was limited by foul trouble. The, uh, the Shark, Bruce Brown. Baby shark, he continues to start. He continues to play well. He continues to do nothing from fantasy. And all those things can actually uh, coexist. 34 minutes, 4 points, 3 rebounds, and 2 assists. I think he's got the potential to develop into a strong fantasy player a couple of years down the track. But for now, he's just going to be the... I think he's going to start here the rest of the season. He's going to anchor this starting lineup with his hustle, with his energy. um, But he's just not going to do enough fantasy-wise. But he's a name to watch long-term. Reggie Bullock had 13 points with 3 triples. He's like Bryn Forbes of the Detroit Pistons. That's how you should be valuing him. While Mr. Hot and Cold, Langston Galloway, only 5 minutes. This bloke is just as likely to have 20 points in 24 minutes on 7 of 10 shooting next game. Uh, or he could be a DMP CD. That is the way that Casey treats him. He, he's not that good, um, but he'll have these weird games that make you at least want to pay some level of attention to what he's doing. Next up, we've got the uh, Boston Celtics blowing out the Brooklyn Nets, 116.95. The Nets were without Damari Carroll, the blue swimmer Alan Crabb, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, and Smokin' Joe Harris. Uh, Harris and Carroll are likely back for Tuesday's game, so their rotation was pretty thin. That forced Kenneth Fareed into action. He played 29 minutes, had 13 and 12, and he had a triple one. And yes, that means that Kenneth Reed hit a three-pointer. So he took four of them, which is probably even the more shocking number there. But when these guys return, Carroll and Harris return, then Freed's going to go back out of the rotation. I talked about him in yesterday's fantasy check-in. I don't see a regular rotation role for him, but when he plays, he puts up numbers. Rowdy Rodion's Kurooks was great, 24 points in 28 minutes with five triples. His minutes were obviously bumped because Carroll and Harris were out. He'd been playing low 20s in minutes and not getting these sort of shots. So I don't think this is any sort of um, indicator that you need to add him in 12-team formats. Well, Shabazz Napier also played well in a start. 10, 5, and 6, two blocks, two threes, and a steal. These are numbers that he was putting up in that stint he had in Portland last season. 
but you know, when everyone gets healthy, his uh, rotation spot is a little bit uh, a little bit up in the air. D'Angelo Russell had been on fire, not so much here. Five points with five assists while Dinwiddie still continuing to struggle. 15 points in 24 minutes. And we're not there yet, but I reckon soon we might have to have a conversation about whether Spencer Dinwiddie is a must-roster player. We're not there yet. He still is. It's been a lean few games, though, for uh, Spence. On to the Celtics. Kyrie returned, as did Marcus Morris. Both of those guys were solid. 17-6 and six for Kyrie, while Marcus Morris had 12 points. And this is a very Detroit Marcus Morris line. 12 points on 10 shots with three triples. As I've detailed plenty of times, he's ranking his way up this season because his efficiency is through the roof. But the last two games, it's been down. And it is absolutely something to watch because he could very, very easily move back to being a waiver wire player. The other thing we wanted to watch in this game is what happened to Gordon Haywood with Kyrie Irving back. Well, Haywood played 26 minutes and had 12 points. Now, the minutes were a bit limited because of the blowout. The usage was still up 25, but it had been over 30 without Kyrie there. So I think we can draw some conclusions that when Irving plays, he's just not going to be that same guy as when Kyrie is in there or when Kyrie is out. So we're still holding him barely, but that wasn't necessarily a sign of the good times arriving and staying permanently, but at least he has looked better. Jason Tatum had 16-4-4 and strong from him, while Marcus Smart, 12 points, 4 triples, 7 assists, and 2 steals. Smart should be on a 12-team roster. It doesn't necessarily have to be yours, though. The Rock DJ Robbie Williams also returned from his injury. He is not a uh, standard league or 14 or 16 or 18 team league guy. The Utah Jazz lost to the Milwaukee Bucks, 114-102. Talked about Rubio getting hurt already, so Hull Neto stepped up, had 10-6-5 in his 29 minutes, as I detailed earlier. He might have some short-term value as an assist streamer, while the Don Donovan Mitchell had 26 points with six triples. Not a huge amount else there, and the shooting was horrible as it has been all season, but some nice raw numbers. Gobert had 14 and 15 as well. Jingle and Joe, only the two points for Ingles, but six assists, one steal, and two blocks. I'd imagine his assists will rise in Rubio's absence, while Jay Crowder, 12, 5, and 3. That's good for 14 team leagues, and I think that's where where uh, he sits in most situations. On to the Bucks. Brookie Lopez, 15 and 8. He had three threes and three blocks. His numbers had been down a little bit recently, but a strong performance from him against Gobert, who quietly is allowing opposition centers to put up some pretty good numbers this season. Uh, Yanni had 30 and 10 with two blocks. Great. The percentages were horrible. 43% from the field on 30 attempts is bad. And then a standard four of six from the line, while Brogdon had 21, 5 and 5. It's really by low season on Eric Bledsoe. Only six points in 28 minutes on poor shooting. He still had six assists and three steals. But this is, you know, people are frustrated with him. This is real by low and go go low. Go top 100 low. Throw Malcolm Brogdon or whoever's got Eric Bledsoe. I'd be happy to take that if I was uh, the Malcolm Brogdon person because I'd be getting Eric Bledsoe back. Middleton was okay as well. 14, 7, and 5. The next game we look at, the Denver Nuggets and the Houston Rockets, a blowout victory from the Rockets, 125-113. wasn't really as close as that final score would indicate. Uh, Jokic was still good, 24-13-4 with two steals and a block. The Nuggets did finally reintroduce Harris and Millsap into the starting lineup. They uh, they didn't do that much. Uh, 27 minutes for Gaza, 22 for Millsap. Again, the blowout had a a function there, 6-3-2 for Paul in his 22 minutes. The Blue Arrows struggled while Torrey Craig remained starting over one show, Hernan Gomez. He didn't do much as usual, 5-6, and six, while Hernan Gomez had 3-5-3. Three, and three. Malik Beasley and Monty Morris um, chimed in with some good good performances. 21 points for, for Monty in his 24 minutes with 5 assists and 2 steals on 69% shooting. Giggity! While Beasley had 14 points on just 11 shots with 2 triples as well. Both of those guys 
Um, yeah, going to have maybe some stream value with Gaza out, but with everyone back, uh, Sons, Barton, Thomas, it's a little bit harder to um, you know, consider those guys you know, solid 12-team guys because they're not. On to the Rockets. We talked about Tucker already. Jimmy Harden, another big game, 32-5-14 with six triples of steal and a block. That's about the millionth game in a row with at least five threes for Harden, while Capella continues to be excellent, 31-9 and for Clint. And Gerald Green even chimed in with six triples off the bench for 21 points. Not much else, just the five rebounds, but strong from Green. He's always been that three-point streamer. Austin Rivers, this is the Austin Rivers we know, 40 minutes, four points. Six assists and a steal. He can be a 12-team points league type streamer until at least one of Eric Gordon and Chris Paul come back, and then he will have absolutely no value. I'm pretty confident about that. While Jim Ennis continues to be behind Daniel House, just the 14 minutes for Ennis, while House had six, six, and three. Both of those guys are just your deeper league type players. Next up, the Memphis Grizzlies got smacked by the New Orleans Pelicans. Marcus Sol, man, he is in a real bit of trouble at the moment. Seven points in 29 minutes, five rebounds and four assists on three of 10 shooting. Before he hurt that ankle against Brooklyn a month or so ago, he was balling. He was like a top 20 guy. And I was, I think I was, maybe you can correct me. I think I was pretty adamant in saying, I don't think this is going to be able to continue, but I didn't expect this sort of a drop off. Over the last month, he's shooting just 40% from the field, averaging under 13 points. He's still getting over a block and a steal a game and shooting his free throw as well. But it's dropped him outside the top 40. Um, I am a little bit worried about where this goes from here. For Gasol, the shooting has significantly dropped off, and that's a clear concern for a guy whose field goal percentage was pretty poor last season as well. And we thought maybe he got it back in uh, back instead um, early on, but it does appear to be regressing. He just doesn't look the same. And for a guy his age, when you start to struggle consistently, it's definitely a worry, and that's where we're at with Gasol at the moment. Um, Justin Holiday. With no Dylan Brooks, he played fewer minutes in this game than he did in game one. 12 minutes, four points. They gave up two second-round picks and two players to get this guy, and they can't even play him 20 minutes. Is that a disconnect between the front office and coaching? I'm not sure what it is. Is it just taking him time to get used to it? Maybe. I still think the minutes will go up from here, but I feel pretty good in saying you can piss him off in 10-team leagues and piss him off in 12-team leagues. He was already trending that way in Chicago, and in uh, in Memphis, he's uh, struggling. I don't think he's as good as what many people make him out to be. Simple as that. Even though he was putting up fantasy numbers and he was a must-roster guy, in terms of an on-court player, he's not that good. Garrett Temple, he played 32 minutes, eight points with three blocks and two threes. He's still just that deeper league guy. While it was a bit of a stinker from Kyle Anderson, five points, five rebounds, five assists, uh, well below where he'd been of late. Javon Carter has replaced Shelvin Mack in the rotation as well. So that is, uh, it's worth noting. It's worth, um, it's it's worth monitoring there for deeper leagues that he is, uh, he's into a larger role or a more regular role is Javon Carter. Onto the Pelicans. Davis had 36 and 13 with three blocks and two steals. Holiday was great, 13, four and six with four uh, steals. And make sure that Alfred Payton's not on your wire. He's 34% available on Yahoo leagues. He had 11, three and four with three steals, a must roster player. Julius Randle, 15 and nine. I think that when Nikola Miritich comes back, Within a couple of weeks of Miritich's return, Randall will be back on the bench playing 27 minutes a night. So your sell-high window is barely open. It's still open. I could be wrong because, again, before Miritich's injury, Randall was starting and playing 34 a night. He just doesn't work that well next to Davis. They need Miritich. Randall is better as a 28-minute guy coming off the bench. Uh, we'll see if Gentry recognizes that. We'll see if he does it, but that's how I think it's going to go. So he could be losing six minutes of playing time, and that's going to impact his overall numbers. So if you can sell high, I'd try and be getting that done pretty cl- pretty soon. Etwan Moore is out, was out, so Darius Miller started. 
He didn't do a huge amount. He's just a three-point streamer. That's about it. Well, Frank Jackson impressed here. 17 points in 19 minutes. He's more of a name to watch for the future, but he's looking more and more comfortable at the moment, looking uh, pretty solid in his first NBA season. Next up, we look at the Lakers and the Mavericks. A big win for the Lakers, 107-97. Brandon Ingram was great here. 29 points, six assists on 57% shooting on 21 attempts and even hit some of his free throws, five of seven from the line, while Lonzo Ball had 21, seven and five with four threes on a good shooting night for Lonzo. This could be a sell high moment for Lonzo or in the next week or so, uh, as you anticipate Rajon Rondo's return, because even though I might think it's wrong, it's what Walton's going to do and it's going to limit what Lonzo can do. So a sell high opportunity could be there for him. Uh, the Ivica Zubats starting next to JaVale McGee experiment ended after one game. Stunning. Uh, four points in four minutes for Zubats. His values obviously disappeared, while the future MVP Kyle Kuzma returned, and that meant Lance Stevenson played three minutes only. That's a weird minutes distribution. Lance played 29, I think, last game. Kuzma was shit. 13 points on 20 shots, two triples with three assists. Uh, I spruced him as a sell-high guy when Ingram got uh, when Ingram returned. Um, you're not selling high after this performance, but I do think a lot of his production is going to drop again when LeBron returns. This is somewhat to do with his back. I'm not overly panicking about this poor shooting. That's not realistic. On to the Mavericks. Doncic had 27-8. and eight. Poor shooting, but good, uh, good performance. While DeAndre Jordan actually blocked three shots. He had 19 boards as well and hit his free throws. Strong from him. While Dennis Smith Jr., only the 27 minutes, but 11 points, two triples, and three steals. I think it's still enough to be a 12-team league guy. The pencil Harrison Barnes, He's just not that good. 11 points, two triples, four rebounds, and two steals. He's worse as a fantasy player than a real-life player. Um, in uh, look, He's the 107th-ranked player this season. So if you're in a 10-team league, I think in a lot of scenarios, you will get better value from streaming that roster spot than you would by holding on to him. In a 12-team league, you probably still want to hold, but I'm not necessarily married to that idea. We're seeing him lose a lot of touches to Doncic, a lot of rebounds to DeAndre Jordan, and they're the only things that he was good at for the last couple of seasons. JJ Breyer and Devin Harris both returned in this game, so that meant that Jalen Brunson went back to the bench. Next up, the New York Knicks and the Portland Trailblazers. Brace yourselves. David Fisdale, his rotations were all over the place. It's stunning. It's surprising. I'm well aware of that, but it's what, it is what it is. And sometimes we just have to give a guy a pass. No, we don't because they're shit and he's shit. Mario Hezonia, who'd been out of the rotation, played 31 minutes. He had 14 and 7 with three steals. Now, I was really excited about Hezonia heading into this season. He looked great at the end of last year. There was no other forward on this roster. It was going to be Kevin Knox, and it was going to be Hezonia at the three and the four, I thought. But Fisdale decided Lance Thomas was the guy for God knows what reason. Buried Hezonia, killed his confidence, and Hezonia didn't help himself with some shit play. No doubt about that. And now he's back, and I don't know why. Why is he getting these minutes now all of a sudden? Why did he play 31 minutes, almost the most on the team, behind only Emmanuel Moutier? Nobody has any answers. Nobody has any reasoning. Um, I guess it's because Kevin Knox picked up two early fouls, so he only played 22 minutes. Just nonsense again from Fisdale. I'm not adding his own here. I'd need to see it a few more times. As for Knox, he was shit again. Eight points with a three on one of six shooting. You give him a pass because of the poor treatment from the coach in the playing time, but in general, he's just not a good fantasy player because he does nothing apart from scoring efficiently, and it's more suited for points leagues, and that's really about it. Ennis Cantor, remember when he moved to the bench and played like 15 minutes a night? Well, that's apparently done now because he played 29 minutes off the bench, had 18 and 14. Fisdale cannot commit to one single thing at any point. This is the second time this has happened. Start Mitchell Robinson, play him minutes. Um, Cantor goes and complains because he didn't know about the benching before, complains, and then the minutes go back the same. 
Leather rinse repeat two months later. Cornette gets inserted as the starter. Cantor goes to the bench, plays 17 minutes. Cantor complains, comes back and plays 28 minutes off the bench in the exact same role. Like, figure your shit out. Figure what you want to do and stick with it. Either you want the best player out there, which is Cantor, without any hesitation. There is absolutely zero doubt about that that Cantor is the best center on this team. It is not remotely close. Or you're developing your young guys. You're not developing your young guys for three games. Like It is just absolute nonsense. This is why you're... I was worried about Cantor, but he said, just hold, because I don't know what Fizdale's going to do, because he's probably going to go back to the same bullshit he did before. Now, we still don't know what's going to happen when Mitchell Robinson returns, because Robinson returned to practice and then strained his groin in practice. So he's out for the next couple of games as well. But anything's a possibility. The the Knicks only play one game next week, so maybe you want to move on from the Cornetto, Luke Cornett, who played only 19 minutes here, despite accumulating exactly zero fouls, because again, there's no consistency in anything that Fizdale does or says. None whatsoever. Damo Dotson only the 22 minutes, while Alonso, better than Luka Doncic, Tria, had two points in his 13 minutes. Remember when he was the flavor of the month? Yeah, cool. Uh, Vonley had a strong game, 16 and 14, hit three triples. The minutes still can be a concern for him. He's really just a low upside back-end 12-team league guy, but he's a 12-team league guy nonetheless. I haven't even talked about Emmanuel Moutier. 17, 2, and 7 with three steals, and I'll admit... Uh, Fizdale was right here. He's playing really well. Um, he's looked good. Uh, he should be a 12-team league guy. Um, yeah, really great stuff from Moutier to be able to resurrect his career. Fantastic. On to the Blazers. Lillard had 17, 4, and 9. Yeah, not great, but okay. Well, Seth Curry is putting himself into that discussion as being a Landry Shamet, a three-point streamer. Another three triples. He's taken the minutes away from Source Castillo as the backup guard on this team, and he's doing it pretty well. McCollum had 17 points, while Yusuf Nurkic got into foul trouble. Still had 20 points and played only 19 minutes. Had eight rebounds, just continuing his great form. The Chief, Al Farouk Aminu, Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. 33 minutes for the Chief, just horrible shooting. Uh, 3 of 12, 25%, but 9 boards, 2 steals, and a block kept his value there. You just know you're going to have real issues with his uh, percentages. Well, Jake Lehman, 10 and 10 in his 22 minutes, replacing Mo Harkless. The last game of the night, the Orlando Magic got smacked by the Sacramento Kings 111.95. Terry Ross chimed in with 20 points with five triples. He is just a three-point streamer and uh, a deeper league sort of guy. Vooch had 18 and 13. Well, DJ Augustin's hot run appears to be over. Only six points in his 19 minutes. Aaron Gordon, is he just not good? Yep, I think that's the case. 10 points in 34 minutes for Gordo. Not good at all. Well, John Isaac, he's struggling a lot. One steal, no blocks, one of six from the field. I don't think there's any point in holding on to him in 12-team leagues. Uh, got that one wrong. I thought a big season was coming from him. It might, but I'm done. And I've been done for a couple of weeks now. I think you can move on pretty comfortably. On to the Kings. Foxy had 20 points in 23 minutes. Well, Bogdan Bogdanovich, man, this guy's good. 15, 8, and 7. He's a must-roster player pretty clearly. While Harry Giles appears to have taken over as the backup big man. Ahead of Costa Kufos, 7 and 6 with two blocks. It's still just for deeper leagues at this point for Gilesy, but looking okay. Budrick, 13 points, not his best night, while uh, Marvin Bagley made his return, 8-6 and six in 20 minutes. It's going to be a while before he gets back into full minutes, um, but if you're in a situation where you can stash, I- I'd be happy to do that and add him and see what happens. Bielitsa, only 22 minutes. It was nice when he was getting 30 a night. You might not want to drop him now because Bagley might sit on Tuesday due to a back-to-back and you get another 30 minutes out of Bielitsa, but after that, I think you can consider him pretty expendable with Bagley back into the reckoning. All right, let's uh, let's move forward now to talk about some DFS. Um, we'll start with the perfect lineups on DraftKings for Monday. Um, that was the wrong button. Let's have a look. 
On DraftKings, Josh Hart, DeMar DeRozan, PJ Tucker, Tone Davis, Clint Capella, Monty Morris, Ken Fareed, and Ennis Canton. That gave you 368.5 for a total of $49,700. And on Fangio, Moutier, Shabazz Napier, DeRozan, Josh Hart, Ingram, Jake Lehman, Tone Davis, Ken Fareed, Clint Capella totaled 405.1, and that cost the old $59,900 dues. All right, guys, let's get into these games now. Looking at DFS, um, focusing on DraftKings for today's eight-game slate. The first game we look at, the Indiana Pacers traveling to take on the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Pacers are 10.5-point favorites, and the total here is 208. Huge blowout risk in this game. Larry Nance's minutes are going to be interesting. Um, There's a chance they're low. I think he's saved a little bit by the fact that Rocket Rodney Hood is out of this one, just limiting the Cavs' options on the wings. Otherwise, you know, having that Nance Thompson front court against Thad Young and Miles Turner might be uh, might be a tough one to uh, to stomach. So, you know, pay attention to it. It is something that is going to have an element of risk. There's a ton of injury news in this game. Corey Joseph, Darren Collison, and Miles Turner are all questionable for Indiana. Um, for Cleveland, you've got Ante Zizic, who's questionable, Tristan Thompson, who's probable, and Rocket Rodney Hood is out, while Matty Dallavadova is also questionable. Cameron Payne was signed yesterday, so if Dallavadova was out, I'd imagine Payne moves into that role, and of course, if Miles Turner is out, you're going to get Sabonis and Kylo Quinn, and then if Joseph and Collison are out, a lot more Tyreek Evans and a lot more Aaron Holiday, and even maybe Edmund Sumner if both of those guys are out, so there's a lot of variables in the, in this game. At point guard, Corey Joseph's a $3,500 guy. He's got a massive opportunity here if he plays and Collison is out in a really you know, positive matchup for him. He's got an opportunity to exceed that value pretty comfortably. So he's a name to watch depending on how all that injury news goes. Then you've got Alec Burks at 4700 for Cleveland. He's not a huge DFS producer, no doubt about that. But with Hood ailing and Dallavadova potentially out as well, there's an opportunity for Burks to play more minutes and he becomes a GPP guy. Same with Jordan Clarkson. Actually, Clarkson at 5,000, I think he's a pretty strong cash guy. With Hood out, I'd consider him there. While Oladipo at 8,400 definitely didn't hit the mark last game, only the 22 points, which is a clear disappointment. But at that salary, against this sort of opponent, with the potential of two other backcourt guys being out, it does boost Oladipo's value. Delavadova not interested in him. Tyreek's the other guy we have to pay attention to. He had five points last game, but at 3,600 with Collison and Joseph both questionable, there's a huge opportunity for Evans to have a much bigger game than what we've seen this season. So I'd absolutely be considering him in my tournaments and maybe even in cash, depending on how those situations shake out. While Boyan Bogdanovich at 5,700, he's just giving you that number almost every single night. Had 42 last game. He's a pretty strong cash play in my opinion. Uh, Chetty Osman at 44 is not really doing too much for me, nor is the Deuce Young at 5,900. And on to the big men, Larry Nance at 5,800. I would have faded the shit out of Nance here in this game, but again, that absence of hood does make me think that they're going to be forced into playing him and Thompson together. Nance has averaged 44 points the last three times he's taken on the Pacers, so that's obviously a positive for him there. So he's in play. And the 5,900 for Tristan Thompson, he had 34 last game. The Pacers do restrict opposition centers pretty well. I'm not super into Thompson at that sort of a salary. And then you've got the uh, the Pacers guys, Miles Turner, DeMontis Sabonis. Turner is at 6,900. Giggity! His recent form hasn't quite been up to snuff. I think I'd fade him dealing with that injury. 7,400 for Sabonis is a pretty strong cash play 
if Turner is out, and then you've got Kylo Quinn, who becomes an option if Miles is sidelined as well. We just don't know that at this point. Over on Fangio for this game, um, Alec Burks at 45, I think, is in play. Uh, Nance at 58 has a, a limited level of appeal. Again, there's still that concern, but maybe some tournament upside there. I don't mind Tristan Thompson at 62 uh, with the relative pricing of other guys over on Fangio as well. And that same point guard scenario, Tyreek and Corey Joseph and Collison and Aaron Holiday, just depending on how all those different injury situations shake out. The 55 for Jordan Clarkson also looks relatively strong over on Fangio. Let's go on to the next one. It's the Washington Wizards and the Philadelphia 76ers. There's no spread or total at this point. I think there's a real chance of a blowout here. I guess there's no spread or total because Jim Butler and Wilson Chandler have missed the last couple. They've both been upgraded to probable with their illness, but now Ben Simmons is also in on the act with the illness. He is also probable, so we're expecting all of these guys to be ready to play, um, and they should be able to smack the Wizards who lost to the Hawks last time out. At point guard, Simmons is at 9,100. He's giving us 45 a night relatively consistently, and obviously that's uh, that's pretty strong play. Will he be able to do that if he's dealing with an illness? I guess that's your level of concern there. Sadoransky at 5,400. I don't see much value in that. And then you go to Timothy John McConnell, uh, Landry Shamet, Furkan Korkmaz. Yeah, I don't think we care about those guys. We do care about Bradley Beal, though, 8,900. I love that for Beal. His lowest score in his last five has been 42. He's going to carry the load against the Sixers. Love it. Uh, JJ Redick at 55. He's giving you 30 a night. You can't ask for any more than that at that 5,500 price point. Maybe the, uh, the ceiling's not that high, but the floor is pretty solid. Well, Jim Butler, General Soreness. At 7,500, has really played well against the Wizards in the past, some of those for Minnesota, of course. At 7,500, I would just be looking at him for tournaments. That's about it. Ariza's at 59. I think that's too high. Slam and Sammy Decker's at 32. Jeff Green's at 51. My name is Jeff. Uh, Jeff Green at 51, I like. I don't know if they'll start Porter or Green, but regardless, I think 30 minutes are in the offing for Green, either at center or power forward or playing some small forward minutes as well. And speaking of Porter, he's up to 5,600 because he had 43 points last game on a really increased usage. I think 56 is a pretty solid spot for Otto Porter. For the power forwards, Jonah Bolden's been putting up great numbers. He's at 3,700 now. If baby neck Wilson Chandler is back in the starting lineup, as we expect him to be, that takes a lot of the value away from Bolton. But he had 30 points in 29 minutes last game, and I could see him getting minutes over Mike Muscala in this one. Give him 22 or 23 minutes, and he could break that $3,700 price point. He's an interesting GPP guy who I think has a roster percentage that is going to be pretty low. Embiid at 11,000, I'd smash the shit out of that. While Tom Bryant at 6,300, he has struggled a little bit against some of the bigger centers, and that price is too expensive for me to use Tom Bryant here. I think we'll see a little bit more Jan Mahinmi, who dropped a casual 31 last game in 25 minutes. Could he be an interesting GPP guy? All signs point to no, but there is um, uh, there is a, an element there where he could do something that has some uh, some value, I guess. All right, let's have a look at how this one looks over on Fangio as well. I like Porter, 4900 It's a great price for Otto Porter. I like Beal. I like Embiid quite a bit. Uh, Butler and Simmons are a little bit risky, I think, over on Fangio as well, while uh, Redick at 57 has got a relatively safe floor, very similar to how he looks over on DraftKings. Uh, let's go on now to the next game. 
Uh, we're looking at the Atlanta Hawks and the Toronto Raptors. The Raptors are 14 and a half point favorites and the total is 228. Just one of a couple of games uh, on this slate that could be absolute bloodbaths. Uh, I imagine Kawhi Leonard returns to this one after missing last game. And then you've got uh, for Atlanta, Kevin Herter and Dwayne Dedman are both listed as probable. At point guard, Trey Young's at 5,900. He's been hitting over 40% of his threes of late, so that's a real positive. This is a shit matchup, though. Point guards against the Raptors do struggle. I don't mind using him at a sub-6,000 price, though, although we have to be careful. And then 7,700 for Kyle Lowry. Played well in his comeback, but you would have to imagine with the game likely in hand pretty early that Nick Nurse will be taking it pretty easy on Kyle as he returns from that back injury. So not a strong, strong play there. Jeremy Lin at 41. He's giving you 20-plus a night, which at 4,100 is not bad. I still think there are better ways out there to spend that. While Fred Van Vliet at 5,000 with Kawhi and Lowry both back, he's likely to see his minutes dip. Although, I don't hate it as a tournament play just because of the blowout potential. Maybe he still gets 27, 28 and drops 30. I think that's unlikely and he's not the strongest of options. Uh, DeAndre Bembry at 46. I think he's got a strong floor for cash. He should start again. And he's got that 30 to 35 point upside. So I like Bembry quite a bit here. Herder's at 4,700. He had 36 points last game. He's playing a shit ton of minutes. The matchup is a tough one. Whether it's Kawhi or Danny Green that's guarding him, there's going to be an elite level defender uh, on him. So that is uh, a concern, but he still is in play as a tournament guy. Dan Green, not that interested in him. While Norm Powell thrived last game without Leonard, but of course with Kawhi back, he's opportunities are going to be much more limited. Daniel Hamilton's at 36. He had a strong game last time out, 28 points. He's never really shown that ability in most other performances, so unlikely to get too much more out of him. As for the fun guy... I'm a fun guy. (laughs) Kawhi Leonard is at 9,600. He dropped 57 last game. The only thing really holding me back from him being an absolute must-play lock guy is the blowout nature, but that price is pretty hard to pass up. Vince Carter and the Jedi Ojananobi. Hello there. Yeah, probably not going to be looking too much at those. For the big men, Johnny Collins at 6,900. Giggity. Um, I like it for Collins. He hasn't really been at that level most games. He's been playing well, but 69 is expensive. I do like him here. Len, I would fade. The Undertaker at 5,200. I'm much more into Dwayne Dedman, his salary. And Serge Ibaka at 64. I think he's probably a little bit too overpriced. You've got uh, Pascal Siakam at 6,700, who's got a very, very solid floor. Lowest score in his last five is 30. That's obviously a really, really strong base. Not sure the upside is huge at the moment, but I think at 67, he still is definitely someone that we can be paying a pretty decent amount of attention to. On Fangio, I think Daniel Hamilton at 37 has got a little bit of uh, upside value there. Dan Green at 43 is an interesting tournament guy. Uh, I like The Undertaker at 55, Dwayne Dedman, Herder at 5,000, and Bembry at 54 also have some appeal. Uh, Lowry, I think we're still fading him with that back issue and the uh, the blowout potential of this game against Atlanta. Next up, the Denver Nuggets and the Miami Heat. The Denver Nuggets on a back-to-back. The Heat are one-and-a-half-point favorites in this one. A curious spread for a team, the Nuggets, who are on fire. They just lost to the Rockets today. But uh, yeah, playing much better than what the Heat are. The total is 209.5 here in this game. Uh, Gary Harris for Denver did appear to hurt his hamstring at the end of the game. I'd be pretty stunned if Harris played in this one after just returning from a hip injury. So that's going to give a boost to guys like Malik Beasley, Monty Morris, Torrey Craig, and Juancho Hernan Gomez. If I'm going to GPP one of those guys, it's going to be Beasley, who's got that real microwave-type scoring ability. And we saw that even in today's game against Houston. 
At point guard, the blue arrow, Jamal Murray's at 6,700. If Harris misses, I think this boosts Murray, and it puts him in play, no doubt. While for Miami, Justice Winslow at 65. He hasn't really been near that in the last couple of games. The shooting, uh, unsurprisingly, um, hasn't quite been there for him. Um, more of a tournament guy than anything else. While Beasley at 38 would be that guy that we look at if uh, if Gary Harris went out. And a quote from Harris on his injury, uh, he was asked if he was going to play uh, in this game against Miami. He said, yeah, we'll figure it out. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not so sure about that. I don't think the Nuggets really want to risk a guy with a hamstring who just returned from injury in terms of uh, yeah, coming back uh, and playing on a back-to-back. I'm pretty sure they'll be overly cautious there. But uh, again, we'll see how that all plays out. Torrey Craig's at 3,500. If Harris is out, maybe, but probably not. I would consider him. Uh, Jimmy Johnson at 4,400 for Miami. The numbers have been a little bit down for Johnson, but I like the matchup here. I like the price. I'd be happy to go with him, especially given he is quite cheap uh, on this slate. And then you've got Derek Jones Jr., the other uh, high upside GPP play for the Heat. 4,300 is giving 22 or 23 a night with real 30 to 35 point upside. Not the strongest option, I know, but there's something there at least. And then the big man, I love Hassan Whiteside here at 6,600. Now, he was disappointing last game, no doubt about that, just 11 points. He's averaged 41 points the last three times out against Jokic and the Nuggets. The salary has come down a lot, and that makes him really appealing to me here. Paulie Millsap, I love at 5,800 as well, while uh, Alinek and Adebayo and Mason Plumley, who's moved to the bench now, I think we'd probably end up fading all of those guys. I didn't talk Joshy Richardson. He's at 6,400. He's more just a tournament guy with some inconsistent play uh, of late. On Fangio, Whiteside again, 7,300. More just tournaments, though, over there. Yeah, Jokic, I didn't talk about Nikola Jokic. Love him. Uh, really, really strong play. Um, decent enough on Fangio. Maybe a little bit too overpriced there. Jim Johnson at 5,000 has a little bit of upside. Um, Paulie Millsap at 65 seems relatively safe as a cash guy. Um, Richardson and Winslow, probably more tournament guys. I'm not all that keen on where their pricing sits on Fangio at the moment. The next game, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Oklahoma City Thunder. The Thunder are favored by eight. The total is 224.5. It's the first game without Tom Thibodeau for the Timberwolves. Ryan Saunders will be in charge. We're probably looking for a little bit more modern offense, maybe more up-tempo, maybe more threes. So that is encouraging for all of their, these players' fantasy values. Uh, at point guard, Russell Westbrook is at 11,200. He's just getting triple doubles like they're going out of fashion, but they're not because he gets them every game. The shooting is obviously a concern, but for DFS, it works in his favor uh, pretty well. Uh, Dennis Schroeder at 51. Alex Abrines is out, but I'm not jumping back on the Schroeder bandwagon here. Well, Jeff Teague. My name is Jeff. He's at 6,500, has played well in his first two games back. I actually do think that Teague's uh, not a bad option here. Akogi's at 4,300 with Robert Covington and Derek Rose both ruled out for Minnesota. 4,300 for Joshi. I think he's more of a GPP guy. Um, the minutes have been fine. The production's just not there. He just lacks the offensive game to be really a strong player. But Andy Wiggins at 6,000. You can shit on Wiggins as much as you like justifiably. He's still giving you 30 uh, DraftKings points a night over the last couple of weeks, and that's plenty uh, at that $6,000 salary. For the small forwards, uh, Paulie George at 10-3. We love what George is doing. He's giving us 45, uh, around 45 a night, which is pretty strong. It is a great matchup for him without Covington as well. So I'm in on Paul George here. And then 3,900 for Dario Saric. I think that he has to get more minutes without Thibodeau. I think this can really free him up to get a 25-26 point performance. And I do like him quite a bit here. That's taking a bit of a leap of faith that Saunders is going to change things up. But I think he will to a degree. Jeremy Grant's at 48, not interested there. Low floor, low ceiling. 
Uh, and then Taj Gibson, Pat Patterson, Gorgie Jing. I'm not really keen on those guys. I am keen on Towns. 10-5 for Kyle. He's been putting up big numbers. It is a tough matchup against Stephen Adams, so if you're looking for a reason to fade Towns, that's going to be it. While uh, Adams himself at 7,000 has been playing well, but 7,000 is probably just a little bit too high um, given the sort of output that he produces regularly. Uh, over on Fangio for this game, I like Sharich and George. I like Wiggins. I like Towns quite a bit. And Akogi's got that GPP upside. I think Steven Adams comes in at a better pl- player on uh, Fangio than what he does over on DraftKings, of course. That is all relative. Uh, wrong game. Next game we look at is the Sacramento Kings and the Phoenix Suns. No spread or total for this one. Devin Booker, we don't know if he is going to play the Kings on a back-to-back. This should be a high-scoring game, and if Booker is out, it opens up a ton of value. Josh Jackson and DeAnthony Melton look to be the biggest beneficiaries, but DeAndre Ayton, TJ Warren will get their share of usage, and maybe we'll see a little bit more from McCall Bridges as well. But minutes going towards Jackson and Melton, I think, will be really, really key in determining this one. 7,200 for De'Aaron Fox. I love it. I love the matchup for Fox. I love this spot. Well, Devin Booker, I would love it, but I just don't know that he's going to play, and that makes him obviously a tough guy to put into your lineups. Other point guards to look at, well, there's none. Jamal Crawford, Ali Okobo, we can fade those guys. Uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich at 5,900. I love what Bogdan's been doing of late, so I'm happy to go with him. Ubre at 39 is just a real flyer tournament guy who's done well against the Kings in the past. He is only really helped by Booker being out, so if Booker is out, then he does become an option. And that's a cheap price, same as the 42 for McCall Bridges. Budrick Heald's at 74, putting up some really strong numbers of late. Um... 74 is an expensive price, and I think we can find better guys out there, or at least guys who I feel like have got more of a ceiling to go past that. Yeah, maybe I'm being a bit harsh there on Bud. For the wing-type players, Nemanja Bielitsa is at 5,300. Marvin Bagley is back. There's a chance that they could sit him out on this back-to-back. He is on a minute restriction as he comes back from his knee injury. I think Bielitsa is okay, but really just for tournaments. While Tony Warren Jr. at 71 uh, would be helped if Booker is out. And same with Josh Jackson at 49. I love Jackson if uh, if Booker happens to be sidelined. For the big man, Corley Steins at 6,300. I like him quite a bit here. Aiton at 81. More tournament, but if Booker is out, I think we look at Aiton pretty strongly for cash. Rashawn Holmes, I don't really see that there for him either. Let's have a look at it over on Fangio. Aiton comes in strong. I like McCall Bridges. I like Ubre at 3,800 with some great upside there. I think Fox at 82 might be a little bit too high. I love the 4,100 for Josh Jackson over there, and 45 for DeAnthony Melton comes in pretty strong if Devin Booker does happen to be sidelined, which I imagine he will be. The next game, the Charlotte Hornets and the LA Clippers. The Clippers are favored by six and a half, and the total is 230. What will the Hornets do at center? Bismack, Biombo, Bill Hearn, and Gomez. They seem to be going back and forth in terms of playing time and their overall value. We don't know the status of Jeremy Lamb as well. If he is out, Devontae Graham gets that boost and likely starts. Last game, it was Tony Parker. It's been Malik Monk. So no real set value in those guys either. At point guard, there's not a lot that I like here. Patrick Beverly can be left alone. Kemba Walker's at 88. He's been quite up and down. I think that's probably a little bit too high for Kemba, to be honest. I don't mind the 6,800 for Lou Williams. There's something there. While Shea Gildas-Alexander just not getting enough playing time to really get me excited. Uh, Devontae Graham would have some of that value at $4,000 if Lamb is out. I think we could use him pretty comfortably if Jeremy Lamb is sidelined. Avery Bradley at 34. You can leave that alone, I think. Batum at 47, who's actually giving you around 25 a night, which is you know, right on the uh, right on the value. 
of where he needs to be. There's something there, but there's nothing too overly enticing. And then your wing players, Marvin Williams at 53. I think that's strong for Cash, really putting up some good numbers of late. Kid Gilchrist is not interesting. And Toby Harrison, the rooster, Danilo Gallinari. 76 for Tobe, 73 for the rooster. I would take Harris out of those two, and I feel pretty good about him as a cash option. For the big men, Bill Hernan Gomez at 44. You can't really trust him, but 37 points last game in 24 minutes. Um, he is averaging 25 over the last three, skewed by some big and poor games. I think at 44, he's a strong GPP guy. While the table Montrez Harrell has seen his minutes eaten into in the last two by the Polish hammer, Marcin Gortat, I still think at 6,200, and centers have done pretty well against Charlotte recently. At 6,200, Harrell is in play. I wouldn't be really trying to get back into the Gortat business, although he's been good the last couple. And Biombo at 45, he has a lower upside than Bill. So as a tournament guy at similar salaries, I'd take the guy who I think has the higher upside, and that is Billy Hernan Gomez. On Fangio, uh, Gortat at 36. I, I love that at 36. That's really strong. He's averaging 30 the last three, and they haven't adjusted his price, so that is a real value play there. Uh, Biombo comes in a v- better value on Fangio too at 4,000, and Hernan Gomez at 51. He loses a lot of his appeal given the, the pricing structure over there. I think Marvin Williams also at 55 is someone you can look at, and Kemba Walker at 8,900. Probably a little bit more appealing on Fangio than what he is over on DraftKings. The last game of the day is the New York Knicks on a back-to-back against the Golden State Warriors. This spread is disgusting. Negative 17.5. The Warriors are 17.5 point favorites. The total is 230. This could get real ugly, and that's going to have a real impact on guys like Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, how their minutes are going to be distributed. This is a real, real worry in terms of relying upon them. In fact, I don't think you can rely upon these Warriors guys in cash games. I think with Sean Livingston out, Quinn Cook at 3,100 with the potential of Curry playing only 28 minutes, 3,100 for Quinny. I think there's 20-point potential here for Cook, and that could make him a weird GPP guy. While Manny Moutier at 5,800, he's giving you 38 a night. No problem with Moutier there. I do like his uh, spot there. Curry at 10,000. No way I want to spend up for 10,000 against Steph with a 20-point spread. That's It's just too high. At shooting guard, Clay's at 6,800, maybe in a tournament, but that's really about it. Timmy Hardaway at 6,600. I don't see the great appeal there either. And then at small four, Durant at 10-1, the same rationale I applied to Steph. Now, Durant can drop 50 pretty easily, but there's a huge risk here that he plays 28 minutes, and that, that is a legitimate uh, legitimate risk. The fort, Kevin Knox at 5,700, a decent enough floor, limited upside because of his inability to do anything apart from score. Um, I don't mind this for for Knox. I think there is some value in him because we know he's going to get shots. We know he's going to get minutes. For the big man, Draymond at 7,200 is playing well of late, but again, minutes. That's that's the concern. The blowout nature is restrictive. It is a great matchup for Draymond, so maybe in tournaments. Looney at 4,000, I think, is an okay cash floor type of guy. Well, if you want to go upside-ish, I think you look at Yunus Sherepko with Livingston out, 3,400. He's got that 25 to 26-point upside, maybe even higher. And if they give him some extra minutes in a blowout, yeah, I could see it happening, especially if they decide to limit what Andre Iguodala does. As for the centers for the Knicks, Mitchell Robinson is out. I believe he strained his groin after returning from his ankle injury in practice, so that's annoying. Will it be Cantor? Will it be the Cornetto? Luke Cornet? It's really, really hard to know. You'd only want to use either of those guys in tournaments. Uh, I'd probably favor using Cornet just because he's a little bit cheaper than Cantor. But Cantor's coming off a 47-point game last time. And again, David Fisdale has no consistency in anything he does. And this is going to be a disastrous blowout-type game. So relying upon these players... 
But you're going to be shit out of luck if you're looking for consistency. We'll, we'll keep it that way. On Fangio, I think Draymond at 71 has that level of appeal, but there's a risk, of course. Same with Durant at 10,300. While I like uh, Moutier and Cook has that minimum salary appeal, as we talked about already. Let's go on now to look at some studs and values. On DraftKings, I like Beal as my start, and my value play is Whiteside. On FanDuel, my start is Paul George, and my value play is Dario Saric at 3,600. On Yahoo, my start is Beal, and my value is Jim Johnson at minimum. And on DraftStars, my start is Paul George, and my value play is Josh Akogi. That'll do it for today's podcast. After listening to this, if you want to go find out more about a specific NBA team, you can just tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On and then insert the team name there. Follow me on Twitter at RedRock underscore Beeble and go leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. It's a great way of telling me that you like the show. Subscribe on YouTube, give it a thumbs up and leave a comment there as well. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. James Dolan.